Guys, uh, Josh is uh, still out. Obviously, he will be back next week. Um, he is. Uh, go ahead and expect him to be very tired, uh, exhausted, dealing with jet lag and all. And just please be respectful of that. Everything uh, he's doing great. Uh, he uh, he uh, said just to tell everyone that he he, he loves y'all and he'll be back uh, ready to rock and roll next week. So. Uh, uh, well, when I get up here, I'm always concerned that I'm going to uh, try to turn this into a, a big speech or, or uh, really try to perform well. So uh, tonight, I, I might just be looking and reading the entire time. I, I'm going to try to stick to my notes as best as possible. Uh, I feel like I've picked a, a chapter in the Bible that would be hard for me to mess up. Uh, it really teaches itself. It's John chapter 17. We're actually going to cover the entire chapter tonight. Uh, so I'm going to be reading a lot. So if you zone out, make sure it's when I'm talking and not reading. Because uh, we're going to cover a lot of, a lot of red type tonight. Uh, I will start off tonight by just trying to give you all a little homework for the next week. Uh, and that is, if you have time, of course I can't keep, you know, make you do this. Uh, read this chapter once a day, every, every day this week. Uh, it doesn't take very long. It's short. It's easy to read. It's very, very powerful. Uh, there is no test, but I do think that you'll, uh, you'll get a whole lot out of it by, by doing it. Uh, it. It's pretty universal from the, from the research that I did that this prayer is broken down into three parts. Uh, the first part being that, that Jesus prays for himself slash the, the glory of God. Uh, Jesus goes and prays for the disciples. And then he actually prays for, for you and me, uh, which I... I I, really, I guess as many times as I read that, until we read that during uh, Lent, I never, it never really hit me that, that that's the case. So I was impressed by that. So uh, if y'all want to go ahead and turn there to John 17, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it, there's a question of whether or not that uh, is it just a model prayer for us. And unlike the Lord's Prayer where Jesus tells us to... Uh, to pray for us, he, he doesn't say so in this prayer, but he does, he does give us a pretty good outline by starting off, the object of his prayer is the, is the glory of the Father, and then he goes in and he prays for, for other people, so while Jesus doesn't necessarily say, hey, pray this, uh, it's definitely a good example to, to follow with that, and uh, are we doing good on the mic, Adam, we're good, all right, great, I'm scared of that, uh, you know, as the case with all Scripture, I, th- I think it's very important to, to put things in context. Uh, and I think the best way to do that for, for this is we're going to look back real quick at John sixteen thirteen before we get into, I mean, sixteen thirty three, the last verse on 16 before we go into uh, to chapter 17. Let me set this up a little bit. Where, what this is, this is after the Lord's Supper. Uh, Jesus is maybe only minutes away from sweating blood and, and just a few hours away from, from being crucified. Uh, and, and this is what he says. This is 1633 right here. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's very, very famous, uh, very empowering. Empowering. Uh, you know, there, there were no chapter breaks. There's no verses when this stuff was originally written. And, 
and when Jesus spoke this. So if you're like me, like if I read chapter 1 of John, and then I see the big two for chapter 2, I just kind of cut it off, and then I move into a whole new thought. And it's, that's really not the best way to go about it. This is continuous. This is, Jesus went right into this. So immediately after saying, uh, take heart, I have overcome the world, he breaks into this high priestly prayer. Uh, and so as we read this, just keep in mind that this is not a gloomy, scared prayer. This is not him feeling dejected. This is not him being half intimidated, seeking for help. This is victorious. This is glorious. Uh, this, this is me saying, like, hey, in your face, devil. Like, this is, this is affirming that he has just overcome the world. So the tone of this prayer, it's hope, it's victory, it's glory, it's, it's redemption, okay? So the reason that I, I like this so much is uh, I really feel like this shows the lion side of Jesus. I think the lamb gets a lot of credit, and, and rightly so. Uh, he's meek, he's gentle. Uh, but the lion side here, we look at this where Jesus, I don't know if he gets enough credit for this because he's on the offense with this. He's not on defense. He's, he's Ricky Bobby. Like he, he's, he's going to win, all right? So that's one, one thing I really like about this is that Jesus is he's on offense. So we're going to read uh, 1 through 5, and I'm going to read it here. Yeah, I want to follow along. So when Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So immediately after take heart, I have overcome the world, Jesus states that I have accomplished the work that the Father has given me to do. Uh, I doubt there's many of us in this room here tonight who can affirm that, that we can say we have finished everything, all the work that the Father has accomplished us to do. So this is Jesus proclaiming that, that he is one, like he has done his job. Uh, and also Jesus at the, at the very beginning says the hour has come. And there's a few times in Scripture, and uh, I thought I'd be able to remember them, but I can't. I should have probably wrote them down in my notes. Uh, the one time I do remember, Jesus, when, he, when his mother wants him to make the water into the wine at the wedding, he says, my hour has not yet come. And then there's another time that I, it just escapes me when he says the same thing. So right here, he's recognizing that the hour has come for him to be glorified. So he is not thinking of death. He is thinking of the resurrection. He's thinking of redemption. He's thinking of the coronation of him as the king of kings. So uh, that's just a few uh, little high points I want to look at there. The other thing I want to look at is Jesus discussing eternal life. And we're going to spend a few minutes there. If you look at verses 2 and 3 again, Jesus says, Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Uh, so Jesus actually gives us a definition of eternal life, and uh, that is that, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And I did some research on this, and when you look at, at the Greek, there's no way I could pronounce it, uh, but the word in, in verse 2, it's looking at not a duration of life, 
not a never-ending life, but it actually means a quality of life. Uh, so Jesus is saying that, that the eternal life, this great quality of life, begins with you knowing God, the only true God. Uh, and, and I pulled from five different commentaries, and, and of the five I pulled from, the consensus was this is, um, uh, this is one of the greatest uh, uh, equivalents, if you will, in the New Testament uh, of equating knowledge and faith. Uh, saying that, that, that knowledge and faith are equal in the fact that to know God is a commitment to him rather than just blindly accepting uh, certain facts about him. And, and I know if you think about that, like the people that you love, you, you don't know everything about them. There's just, there's just a commitment to that. Like you can never know every little thing about someone, but the people that you love, you, you're committed to. Uh, and those are the people that you seek to, to know more. Uh, and I know that the book, the, the book of Hebrews tells us that faith is it's the conviction of uh, things that are unseen. But it doesn't say you can't see them, can't think them through. That, that you can't dwell on these things, that you can't seek to, to know God more, that you can't use your head in this instance. Uh, I think that, uh, that it's very fruitful and it's very faithful to seek to learn God more, that uh, I think it is an act of faith, that this is what this is telling us, that you are, you're beginning eternal life as you, at right now, as you're beginning to know God uh, more and more. And then if you look at uh, verses 2 and 3, in the Greek, there is a slight variation in, in when John writes eternal life. And when it goes to verse 3, uh, the, the description of it, it, it doesn't mean to fully recognize or to fully know or to fully understand. It's more of an attempt to, to learn and to continue to learn more about God. Uh, so it's, uh, it's not like we have to have it all figured out before we die. It's... Uh, we, we've seen where God is never-ending. Uh, when, when they try to describe God in the Bible, it's words like surpassing knowledge. It's immeasurable. It's infinite. There, there's no limit to God. And so uh, it, right now is the time to start eternal life in the sense that this is the time for me to begin to know God. Uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, that you're beginning eternity with your knowledge, your desire to, to know God more. Uh, and so I, I think what Jesus is saying here is that eternal life is not defined in chronological uh, order, but more with a, a personal relationship with him uh, and, the, and the Father. Um, the next part of this prayer, it breaks down, uh, it's verses 6 through 19, and this is where Jesus prays for the disciples that are there with him right there. So this is going to get a little long right here. I'm going to read all this. Um, and uh, y'all just bear with me, guys. I'll read with me. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave, out, gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I, I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have, overcome, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. 
While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Take a little break right there. That verse, um, I'm not going to touch. Uh, I don't know anything about it. I did not research that. Uh, so I just wanted to pause for a second, let y'all regroup if I was uh, going too long there. And we'll, we'll stop back with uh, verse 13. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the word has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. If you look at verse 6 there, Jesus says that he manifested the name of the Father. Uh, in, in, In researching this in the Greek and all, what that means is that he came and he revealed the entire character of God. That in, in, in the biblical times, one's name wasn't just a means of identification. It revealed an entire character or nature of a person. And so that's what uh, Jesus did here. Verse 10, Jesus says, All This is agreed upon that it's uh, probably one of the greatest claims in the Bible of Jesus showing his oneness with the Father, uh, when he says that all I have is yours, and all I have, uh, or all that you have is mine. And uh, I'm gonna, we're going to jump back to verse 9. Guys, this, this prayer could probably be several, uh, several weeks of sermons, but I just wanted to hit some high points. So I just want to point those two verses out, and now we're going to go back and look at verse 9 and, and camp out there for a minute. Uh, verse 9 reads that, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world but from the, for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Now, when I, I first read that, I found that a little puzzling for Jesus to say that, that I am not praying for the world. So, you know, I, I looked into it a little bit, and um, they talk about the Johannine writings, they being the commentators, and that is basically everything John wrote in the New Testament. And that when John says the world, what he is meaning or what he is saying is that he is saying that it's human society me, organizing itself without God, as in the world trying to operate on its own or without the power of God. So this is why Jesus says that I am praying for the disciples, because he is sending them out, those who have been organized under God's power, those that Jesus has, has brought together. He is sending them out into the world that is trying to do their thing without the help or without the power of God. So that's why he makes that, different, that difference there, that he's praying for the disciples not praying for the world. Now, I found it interesting that, that Jesus does not pray for these disciples to be taken from the world when he leaves, uh, but he just never prayed for their escape. He prayed for their victory. Uh, <clears throat> again, I want to look back, at, I want to touch back on the, the tone of this prayer is one of, of victory. And so Jesus, he, uh, he never, he didn't come to earth to withdraw people from life, but to better equip us for it. Uh, Jesus never offered a release from problems. He just offered himself as a way to solve them. He does not offer a life in which there are no troubles 
as we saw even in John 16, he says that, you know, there will be tribulations. He just offers a way for those troubles to be faced and conquered. Uh, I think that as the church, we should never desire to abandon the world, but to be sent out into it and to conquer it. I think it, it definitely lines up with, with the mission stuff tonight, with these people being sent out uh, to, to spread the word of Jesus throughout the world. Uh, we, are, we are God's chosen vehicle to bring himself to people. And so our, our prayer, or our purpose can never be fulfilled outside of this world. We can, only, we can only accomplish the work of the Father as we are here sent out by Jesus. That's, that's Jesus praying for his disciples. Now uh, we're going to look where Jesus actually prays for us. And this is John 17. This is uh, verses 20 through 26. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you gave me I have given to them, and they, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I, des- Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Um, So right there in verse 20, Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. 21 again to repeat, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And in 23, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. This is a prayer of unity for, for future believers. Uh, this is Jesus literally praying for each one of us in this room right here who, who are believers. Um, he's praying for us to be perfectly one. And, and he uses the strong word, perfect. Uh, this prayer should be near to all of our hearts because of what, what is going on, as we set up earlier. Uh, at this moment, Jesus is absolutely hated and he's wanted dead by everybody except just a few. And, and even those guys are about to scatter and abandon him. Uh, yet, what does Jesus do? He shows tremendous confidence in human beings. Uh, which is not something I say that I do a whole lot of. You know, I think that we all, we all lose confidence in ourselves. We certainly all lose confidence in each other. But here Jesus did not do so. He has the utmost confidence in us that he's leaving and he's passing the torch to us. Uh, so Jesus, again, he prays this, this amazing, amazing prayer of unity for our personal relationships with each other. Um, it's a life in which people love each other because he loved us. 
Again there in verses 21 and 23, Jesus prays that this unity would be know how God, know, that the world knows how God sent Jesus. And that Jesus loves all of us in the world. Uh, so I would think like how we act to each other, with each other, to each other, around each other, has huge implications to how we are perceived by those outside looking in. Uh, we have been basically entrusted with showing Jesus off. Uh, now, I'm going to derail, not derail, I guess, really, but just for a second, I'm going to talk about the rapture. Um, apparently, somebody predicted that the rapture was going to happen. Uh, I saw, I, I don't know, I heard a bunch of stuff just randomly and uh, on Twitter or whatever it may be, and so I kind of looked it up and... Uh, I didn't really know anything about it until then. But thinking about all this, I was thinking that this man that did this, he's a believer. Um, So basically how we react to that is seen by non-believers all over over the world, really. So, you know, a lot has been said either way. And I'm not trying to say bad, good, say this, don't say that. Uh, but it gives us a perfect opportunity to show that unity. Uh, I can't think of anywhere else in Scripture where, or I guess anywhere Knows what avenue that may lead you by, but just be careful when these things happen. That how we react is perceived by the outside looking in. And so, when we have other Christians that we're getting on, if we're ripping apart or whatever, that that is not necessarily the unity, uh, that perfected unity that Jesus is looking for. Uh, and I'm off my rapture soapbox. We uh, just thought I'd. Think before you tweet. That's what else I want to say. Um, <laughs> that could be a community group, summer topic, but it's not. Uh, we have seen what Jesus has prayed. Let's take a minute and let's look at what Jesus did not pray. Uh, Jesus did not pray that our lives would turn out the way that, that we think they should based on society. Uh, more than likely, a society organizing itself without God. Um, Jesus did not pray that we would be without troubles. Uh, It's very clear that there will be tribulations, as he said. Uh, Jesus did not pray for us to be wealthy, to to get married or have a certain amount of kids. Uh, He didn't pray pray for us to have that certain dream job that I know we're all looking for. 
Every day I check the mail for the, the, the big check that just appears published in Clearinghouse. I don't know, or I can just kind of not work again. Like, that has never been promised to us. Uh, Jesus prayed, like I said earlier, that we would love each other in such a way that those on the outside, those in that world that, are, that is organizing itself without God, would see the Father through our relationship and come to know him, the only true God in Jesus Christ, who, whom he sent. Uh, now, I don't, I don't know where this chapter finds you. I would think that if, if it, nothing was impressed upon you tonight, that if you read this for, for five straight days, something will. Uh, I do know that we have a lot of college graduates. Welcome back, guys. I love the pictures on Facebook. Um, I know we have a lot of you who are wondering, okay, what is God's will for my life? Uh, I know we've got a lot of 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings. I don't know if we have 50-somethings. I don't know. we got a lot of that, too. Wondering, like, okay, is this really it? Like, is this it? Uh, is this my life? Is this your will for my life? But, again, I think that we're, we're doing so in terms of this world that's organizing itself without God. And we're constantly wondering, what is the will of the Father, but we're trying to mix in our, our world with it. Uh, but, but right here, Jesus, he tells us the will of the Father. Uh, Jesus prays just hours before his death that we would be one. Just as he and the Father are one, that, that we would be sent out into this world to accomplish the work that the Father has given to us, and that is to, to, to manifest his name, to show his entire character to the world. So, guys, uh, that's all I've, I've got. The, the band's going to come up here. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up. they got a few more songs. And then we'll come up and do our uh, priestly blessing that we always do. Um, Lord, I just uh, thank you for, uh, for your word and, and for the fact that uh, your son, before he left, he, he decided that he would pray for us and... Uh, in that prayer, he, he laid out for us exactly how we should, should love one another, Lord. And I just I pray that, that we would seek to do that, that we would seek to, to know you, Father, that we would seek to have a personal relationship with you, and that we would seek to be in unity with, with, with all of our fellow believers, Lord. And, and I know there's going to be times where that's tough, Lord, but I just pray that as, as you promised with your spirit, you would recall scripture to us. You would, you would let us know, Father, just that, that, that we are all clay and that you have created us all and that we are all uh, image bearers of you, Father. And I just uh, thank you for tonight. Thank you for, the, um, for everyone here. And I just uh, pray this all in Jesus' name.